Else must he, that's Christ, often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, at the end of the ages, hath he been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. A second appearance. 27. And inasmuch as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this cometh judgment, so Christ also, having been once offered to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time apart from sin to them that wait for him unto salvation, which is the third appearance. We find in these three great doctrines of Christianity, there is the doctrine of the Lord's death, dying for the sins of mankind. There's a doctrine of his ascension into heaven as the holy priest, the high priest, as a mediator, intercessor. And also his uh, coming again to be the judge. And so we see here a summary of his atoning work. And I'd like to look at these three, not in the order that we read them in, but in the order that they occurred. And we'll start with verse 26 and look at it. Else must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, at the end of the ages, hath he been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So... Now, once at the end of the ages. When it speaks about once, it's the contrast between the manner in which the Old Testament priests, their priesthood and their ministry was abiding. That is, it was continuous. It went on and on. The Hebrew letter speaks about them standing to do that because it was never done, never completed. It had to keep on being done. Whereas Jesus Christ, when he offered himself once for all, sat down. So here, once Jesus did that which was necessary, bringing to an end that which was sufficient, that which was complete, uh, perfectly efficacious in the thing that he came to accomplish. Now, once at the end of the ages. After a period of some ages of preparation, of symbolism, of prophecy, and of great expectation, at the end of the ages, the Messiah has appeared. And what did he appear for? What was the purpose? Well, to take away sin. The denominational world, and maybe those outside the denominational world, celebrate Christmas as the time when Jesus was born. Of course, the Bible tells us that he was born. But the way a lot of people celebrate it is to, uh, to commit sin. They get involved more and more in partying and sinning at that time that they don't normally maybe do as much at other times of the year. And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus came to do away with sin. It seems ironic that he came, and people are celebrating that particular time as though that's when he came could to, to commit more and more sin. But it says that Jesus came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And of course, the manner in which he put away sin was to have it forgiven, 
to provide the atoning way that God would accept in place of our death. He would accept his death. But now how was he going to put away the sin? By the sacrifice of himself on the cross. As verse 28 also says, having been once offered to bear the sins of many. And you notice it says, to bear the sins of many. Now there are other places that speaks about all. And let me notice a few of them with you. This is a case, and I think the word is synecdoche. 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 How's that sound? Where it's a figure of speech where the part is put for the whole. So it speaks about him giving his, uh, himself as a ransom for many in Matthew 18 and 28. But in 1 Timothy 2 and 6, it says that he gave himself as a ransom for all. And so the many is used in the place of all. Here we read about it being for the many. Hebrews 2 and 9, though, says that by the grace of God, Christ tasted the death for every man. Not just many, but many represents every man. Or in Romans 8, 32. Let me read that verse. And it speaks about God who spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And so here's uh, one of the instances where it refers to Jesus giving himself up for all, for all sinners. So, sin, because it separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 has to be eliminated, and that's the reason why Jesus came. Sin is that separating wall between us and God. And for us to be reconciled, Jesus came to die for us. Here is a parable for today, and it's put in the form of a poem. She hadn't meant to stay long. She hadn't meant to stay so long. She thought as she hurried home, Time seemed to fly as she talked in the shop. She felt guilty, leaving Andy alone. Feeling uneasy, she quickened her pace. Breathless, round the corner she came. Blue lights were flashing. People were shouting. Black smoke, then a roar of flame. She stood there, rooted, her heart in her mouth. Then suddenly sprang into life. Losing her shoe and dropping the milk, she ran with all her might. She fought her way through the gathering crowd, crying, Oh God, oh no, please let it be. Someone else's home, please, not mine. Then screamed through her sobs, Andy. She reached the front, tripping over a hose, bruising the foot that was bare, running toward the blazing house, screaming, My son, my child's in there. Rough hands grabbed her, pulling her back. She fought. Someone slapped her cheek. She couldn't break free from the iron grip. She fell sobbing in a crumpled heap. A fireman lifted her onto her feet. She fought again like a cat gone wild. He peered into her grief-stricken face. 
then to the inferno, separating her from her child, pushing her gently into someone's care, and pulling a mask over his nose and mouth. Without thought or care for his safety, he ran into the blazing house. The minutes ticked by, they seemed like hours to the mother who waited outside. Hoses playing on the crackling, spitting wood, the only sound, till someone cried. I can see him, I can see him, he has the child. Look, the window up there at the top. A ring of firemen gathered below. One shouted, okay, Bill, let the, drop, let the lad drop. With bated breath, she watched him fall, bouncing slightly as he hit the net. She went to run, but a man held her back, saying, wait a minute, love, not yet. Then came the report, okay, he's alive. The crowd waved and cheered with joy. She broke loose from the hands that held her and ran towards her boy. As the ambulance waited to take him, she gently lifted her son. He whimpered and whispered, Mommy, they were together. The battle was won. The fireman who went into the blazing house gave all that he had to give. You see, he never came out again. He gave his life that her son may live. Do you think it ended unhappy? Look at the event in a different light. See God as a loving parent who looks upon your plight. You are the child in danger, fearful and trapped within. Sin is a wall of fire that separates you from him. Jesus is the one who saves you. He gave all that he had to give. He is the one who died in your stead as a ransom that you might live. <clears throat> but now, once at the end of the ages, hath he been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Then in verse 24 we find another manifestation or appearance of the Lord. For Christ entered not into a holy place made with hands, like in pattern to the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear before the face of God for us. So here's the second appearance, and this is a continuing appearance. Before the face of God for us as the high priest, as the intercessor, the mediator, the advocate. In 1 John 2 and 1, John said, My little children, these things write I unto thee, that you might not sin. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. He is the advocate. He's the, the paraclete. In legal jargon today, we might say that he's a counsel for the defense. Hebrews 7 and 25 says that wherefore also he is able to save to the uttermost, that is completely, them that draw near unto God through him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession. So Jesus 
is the one who's pleading our case in heaven and continues to do that until he comes again. As long as we are in need, and we are always in need of the Lord, continuous reconciliation, continuous fellowship with God, that's the part Jesus is playing now. He appears before the face of God for us. The third appearance is noted in verse 28, the last verse. Well, let's look at 27 and 28 together. And inasmuch as it is appointed unto men once to die, and then cometh judgment, so Christ also, having been once offered to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time, here's our third appearance in this paragraph, apart from sin, to them that wait for him unto salvation. So Christ shall appear a second time. Apart from sin means not to atone for sin. He's already done that once for all. And so this time, he appears to them that wait for him unto salvation. Not to atone for the sins. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, once every year the high priest had a special mission. And that was to offer two sacrifices, one for himself and then another for all the people. And then he was to enter in to the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, into the presence of God for the people. And so as the high priest began that day, he laid aside his garments of glory and beauty and clothed himself only in white linen to perform his sacrificial task and to enter into the Holy of Holies. But when he reappeared to the expectant people, he was again clothed in his resplendent robes. Now we can see a symbol here, a figure of Jesus, because Christ also laid aside his garments of heavenly splendor and appeared on earth in the garb of spotless manhood to accomplish his atoning work. Then he entered the heavenly sanctuary, opening for man a way of spiritual access to God. And yet, someday, to his expectant followers, Jesus is to reappear in the robes of imperial majesty. Not to suffer for sins, but to bring to a consummation, the salvation promised to those who put their trust in him. One of the characteristics of Christians is that they're looking for the Lord's return. And another passage of scripture, besides this one that refers to them that wait for him. For example, in Titus 2, Verses 12 and 13, well, let's start with verse 11, where it says, For the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation unto all men, instructing us to the intent that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ. First 
Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10 refers to those who are waiting for the Lord's return. For they themselves report concerning us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned unto God from idols to serve a living and true God, and, verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivereth us from the wrath to come. And so we're waiting on Jesus to come back again. Or in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, that speaks about our citizenship being in heaven, from whence we are waiting for him to come. For our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, according to the working whereby he is able even to subject all things unto himself. And so what are we waiting for? Well, it's coming. And what's going to take place? Well, he's going to let us share with him his glory. He's going to change our body, whether we've been in the grave or whether we're still alive, to conform to his body of glory. We're waiting. We're anticipating. We're looking forward to such things. In 2 Timothy 4 and 8, Paul said, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me in that day, and not to me only, but also to all them who have loved his appearing, who have longed for his coming. Not the first one, but the one we're now anticipating and discussing. In Colossians 3 and 4, talks about the Lord's appearing or his manifestation in glory. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall we also with him be manifested in glory. And so the third appearance of the Lord is his coming, not to the earth, but coming for us, and we shall meet him in the clouds and in the air. Well, there is a, a fitness, a propriety, that the Lord should thus return in his glory, because... At his first appearance, the Lord was humbled, humiliated, despised, and put to death. There is a fitness that he should come to be honored the next time and to be glorified. Everyone should be interested in the fact of his return. Revelation 1 and 7 tells us that he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. That means everyone who's in the grave right now, everyone who's alive, everyone who shall be born, and whether they die before he comes again, every eye shall see him. And not merely to gaze and admire his magnificence, but more for a more momentous purpose, our eternal destiny he's coming as a judge he's going to tell us whether we're to be blissfully uh, to, to enter into the bliss of eternity or into the doom of eternity but the problem is the great mass of people are not prepared they don't believe that he's coming not prepared to meet him they don't believe in him they don't desire him to come but they're going to be overwhelmed with surprise and with horror 
There's going to be universal consternation and despair when the Lord does make this final appearance. And as we read in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment. Jesus appeared the first time, born of Mary, taking upon himself human flesh, that he could lay that flesh down as an atonement for our sins. He was resurrected, ascended back to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and is still there, ministering to us and for us before the face of God. And he's coming again. He's going to appear where every soul shall see, and we want to be ready. We have a song of invitation that we wish to sing for those who may not be ready. As a child of God, we can look for the Lord in this way. We can look backward and see Christ dying for you. We can look inward and see Christ living in you. Look upward and see Christ pleading for you. And look forward and see Christ coming for you. Shall we stand and sing?